and welcome to Shots with Catherine, Conversations with Creatives, where I chat with creatives of all different mediums to get into what really inspires them. Today, I'm super excited to welcome Pound Cake, who is an award-winning competitive pole dancer and pole dance instructor. She's won four first place medals in pole sport organization specific pole and after dark championships and was a top 10 finalist in the 2019 PSO Amateur of the Year contest out of 3,700 international competitors. She also started a clothing line specializing in plus size dancewear. Welcome, Pound Cake. Thank you so much for being here. Oh, thank you. I'm so excited. You introduced me like way better than anyone ever has. <laughs> oh, I'm honored. Well, I, <laughs> I want to do the folks on my podcast justice. Done. Done and done. <laughs> so one thing I always love hearing about is how people start their creative journeys. And so how did you get into pole dancing and what inspired you to pursue it further? You know, um, what's really, really funny is I get asked that question a lot. And I think people expect like this really artsy or like profound reason. No, I saw a Groupon and I wanted to go shake my ass. Like <laughs> that was pretty much all it came down to. Um, and I took my first pole class with some friends and I just fell in love with like the sport of it. Um, so it kept me going. I used to play basketball, like all through high school, through college. So super duper competitive. I have athletes in my family. We're all hella competitive. So um, once I found out you could compete in pole dancing, I was like, really? Pole sports? Like, this is a thing? Sign me up. So um, that really just got me going. My confidence got a crazy boost, not in just pole dancing, but just in life in general. And I just really wanted to keep that feeling going. So here I am, almost seven and a half years later, still pole dancing, teaching, and still competing. And what made you want to teach? I found myself in class, and I was in a lot of beginner classes because that was just my comfort level. And I was always in class, and I would see people not getting things. And I'm like, oh, let me show you a way the instructor may not have known. <laughs> so they may have hated it, but I was really good at it. And people were like, you know, you, you really break things down in like a really good way. Like, are you an instructor? And I'm like, no, but I guess I could be. <laughs> so um, I was chicken for a while, for years, until one of my coaches was like, yeah, like you really should go for it. One of my biggest fears, obviously, I'm plus size. So I was like, there's no plus size pole instructors. Like this isn't a thing. And sure enough, I found a couple of plus size pole instructors. I finally got over that fear. I started um, teaching at Studio 2 and 6, and I'm going on two years next month of being their top instructor, period. Pole, non-pole, all dance, just period. So that was really big and enlightening for me is going from that fear of like, I can't make it as a plus size pole dance instructor to now being one of the top instructors at that studio. So quite a journey. Congrats on two years. That's awesome. Thank you. What would you say are some of the challenges of being an instructor and then to go with that, what are some of the most rewarding parts? So for me personally, being an instructor, I thought it was going to be being plus size and being an instructor, but it's not. Um, <laughs> the most difficult thing for me was literally the day I became an instructor, I also became like disabled to, for a lack of a better word, I guess. Um, I had an injury on day one before I even got to my class. And I was like, oh, it'll just get better. Six months later, 
I found out I had osteoarthritis in both of my knees. So I have the knees of 70-year-olds, which is really fun trying to teach dance. So immediately I wanted to quit. Um, but I just had to kind of find ways to work around that and, and find different movement that I can do and still teach without having to like bend my knees past 90 degrees. So that by far has been like the most difficult thing for me is just trying to navigate through A, being plus size and B, being disabled. So that was, that was fun. Totally forgot your other question. <laughs> what was the other question? Uh, what are some of the most rewarding parts of being an oh. instructor? Oh, that's like my favorite thing to talk about, actually. Um, the most rewarding thing is literally my students are like my babies. I am getting to a point where I'm enjoying more training up other people than actually training myself. I deal with women and men, all types of people, actually, from all walks of life. A lot of them have like a lot of sexual trauma they're dealing with. Um, they're super low confidence, super low self-esteem, and they just have lost themselves in a sense. And so it's really rewarding when they come to my class, they're like, I'm not going to be able to do this. And then I'm like, uh, <laughs> watch, let me show you. <laughs> and then I get them into some move or something they never thought they'd be able to do. And immediately they're locked in. Like their confidence is through the roof. They're more confident in all areas of life. They're pushing through. Like, I don't want anyone looking at me. I don't want anyone touching me. So it's just really rewarding to have that much of an impact on someone's life to say, I did that. I help them find themselves. Like I help them just be a better and more happy person. So I wouldn't give that up for the world. Yeah, I remember yours was, I think the first class I took and I felt super awkward coming in. And then by the end, I was like, oh look, I'm actually spinning and not just <laughs> landing on my butt. Wow, how did you do you that? Were, you were really, really good. I remember your class, you, you did come in and you were like, I'm not gonna be able to do any of this. And I'm like, <laughs> watch and you did everything you are so willing to learn and that's really what's important is a lot of people come in like kind of closed-minded thinking I'm not strong I'm not confident I'm super shy and then it's just once you break past like all that self-doubt you find these amazing pole dancers these amazing confident people like yourself um so it was really amazing to see how you transition just from that first few moments of class to the end of your first class so can't see me, but I'm clapping it up for you. <laughs> Thank you. It's it's hard to not feel sexy when you're spinning around on a pole, honestly. Seriously, in heels too, with all these hair whips, like, ugh, top tier. <laughs> so what was it like when you were working through that injury? I'm imagining, like you said, you had to adapt a lot of the moves and figure out what you were going to do and how you were going to still be able to dance. Can you talk a little more about that? Yeah. So just to, to put it in context, my knees do not bend beyond 90 degrees. So <laughs> that creates like a really big problem, especially if I have more advanced students coming to my classes, they want the more advanced moves. So a lot of those involve mobility and flexibility, which I don't have fully. So it's just constantly like doing your research, right? Like looking up the, the stellar star pole dancers on Instagram and saying, okay, I like that move. I want to teach that move. How can I make this move mine? How can I take it, adopt it, make it mine and teach it in a different way? So usually it involves like, okay, I'm going to do a different entry. We'll do a different entry into this move. And what I found is that even though I'm looking for things to be successful with a disability, it's actually helping other people with disabilities and more plus size people. 
because a lot of plus size people can't bend their knees, can't, you know, bend a, a lot of things, can't dip down low. So it's like, they're doing moves that they've been dreaming of doing because now I found this alternate way of doing it. So it was a struggle um, that I quickly got over because it's like, it, it's just got to keep going. The ball's got to keep rolling. I'm not going to stop. I just got into this. <laughs> so definitely the biggest struggle, but I'm still working through it and just getting creative to keep going. Yeah. I mean, if you find something that you really love that does something for you, you can't let it go just just because of one injury, right? No. And just to be very transparent, when I found out, oh my gosh, I was in my car for like a whole hour just crying, <laughs> crying on the phone to my friend. I'm like, my career's over before it started. And she's like, calm down. Let's just think about this. I'm like, no, I'm quitting tomorrow. I'm going to call the studio. She's like, no, you're not. <laughs> so I'm so grateful for her to helping me push through that because I, I really wouldn't have been able to do it without her. You were talking about how like so many people in your classes, they've experienced such a big boost in just confidence and feeling better about themselves after trying it out. Would you say that dancing can be therapeutic or like what are some of the big things you feel like you get out of it? Oh, absolutely. So um, me personally, when I'm not dancing, I am just like literally sitting in my house, just sad and bored. <laughs> if I can be super transparent, like I said, we had... Um, our, our studio closes for an entire month um, at the end of the year for the holidays. So none of the instructors are teaching classes. And I just sat around and watched TV and I'm like, I am so sad. I have to dance at something. Like I have to go dance this out. Um, so it's really therapeutic to the point where I need it in order to keep that adrenaline and just keep my happiness going for me personally. I have students who come in and they just have been watching people for years, like accomplish their goals and pole dancing and entertainment industry or whatever. And they're just so shy and in so much of a shell, they never even see themselves outside of it. So I've had girls come to my class with that mentality. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> you enjoyed class? Well, guess what? You're going to start competing. And they're like, I'm not able to compete in pole. I'm like, yes, you are. Just challenge yourself. Just give it a try. And actually, I've had a couple of girls go through our comp program who have taken first place in their very first pole competition. So um, it, that part is super duper rewarding in and of itself. But that, it's that therapy right there that's like going from, I can't do this to, oh, wow, I'm doing this to, oh, my God, I'm doing something I never would have imagined I'm doing ever in life. So it's just watching that whole transformation. That's really amazing. I'd love to hear more about some of the competitions you've been to. What are they like? What was it like the first time you were competing? Oh my goodness. So <laughs> I used to watch these girls compete all the time and I'm like, wow, I could never do that. I'm so plus size. I couldn't do that. And it was um, watching people like Roz the Diva, who is a very well-known plus size pole dancer. Um, my coach showed me her Instagram and I was like, okay, I, I want to do this. I, I had to get past that fear. I trained ridiculously hard um, for three months, went to a national, so a Los Angeles local competition where there were four other girls in my category, all of them skinny. <laughs> and I'm just like, oh, I'm not going to win this. Um, and eventually just pushing past that fear to hop on that stage in front of hundreds of people and just give it your all. The most important thing I had to keep telling myself was like, just go out there and have fun. 
Like at the end of the day, you, you finally did the hardest part, which was getting on this stage. Now just go out there and have fun. So after doing that, I took home first place and I was just like an addict after that. <laughs> I was like, I want to go to nationals. I want to go compete in the Southern section. Like I just wanted to go do everything after that. Um, competitions are, they give you a really big thrill. Like it's a, if you talk to competitors, it's really addictive once you get into it. What do you do to prepare for a competition? You probably spend a lot of time practicing, coming up with a routine. Do you work with other trainers? What's that like? Yeah. So when I first started pole dancing, I, I danced at a different studio and they would have these competition prep programs that cost hundreds of dollars. So you pay these hundreds of dollars to work with these coaches um, that have either competed before or judged these competitions before. And you have to come up with everything from start to finish. So I had to come up with like my, my outfit, the song I'm dancing to. I had to choreograph start to finish. And you have these people at least two to three times a week for about eight weeks. You're going in there. You're like, hey, this is what I came up with. And they're like, I don't like it. <laughs> and you have to change everything you thought was great and amazing for about an hour and a half to two hours every day you're training with them. So it is rigorous training. Um, it is very humbling, but it's a great experience at the end of the day. Yeah, sounds like it. Wow. I, I would probably feel the same way about competitions. Like, oh gosh, I could never do that. I look at myself in the mirror and I'm so not graceful, but it sounds like a fun challenge for sure. Definitely a good challenge. And just with more repetition, you get more comfortable. Um, once you get that first one out the way and it's like, okay, yeah, I can sit in front of hundreds of people and let them judge me. Sure. <laughs> and then you just get it done. It's just a whole different world on the other side. So what is your creative process like, like when you're coming up with routines, when you're deciding what to wear, is there anybody or anything that has inspired you in your style and overall vibe? Oh my gosh. So just to, to preface this, I'm a Virgo and I don't know if you believe in astrology and all that stuff, but I'm a Virgo and we are over planners. Like as soon as I even had a thought that I was competing, I was at a table at my job writing down, okay, I'm going to do this turn at this minute and I'm going to walk over to this side of the stage. So it is incessive, ridiculous planning from start to finish. Um, I literally, in order to get my creative juices flowing, my number one go-to has been Homecoming by Beyonce. I don't know if you've watched it, but it's like the amazing um, concert she did at Coachella where she had like the whole all black band and the marching band and the steppers. And it's just an amazing production. And so when I watch that and I see how much time and energy that she puts into it and the amazing output that came from it, it's instant inspiration. So anytime I'm actually feeling like I'm lacking in creativity and whether it's competition or even just teaching my classes, I sit at home and I will watch homecoming. I think it's like two and a half hours or something. I don't care what time it is. I was up until two o'clock in the morning one time just watching Homecoming and I watch it and then I cry and then I'm inspired. I'm like, okay, let's get on a poll and let's figure some stuff out. <laughs> so I really, my go-to is Beyonce um, and just other things I've drawn from in either teaching a class or some of the, the elite pole dancers you see on Instagram. I have not seen that, but sounds like I should. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yes. Please do yourself a favor and watch Beyonce Homecoming. It is just an amazing story, period. 
I'm a Capricorn, but I tend to overplan as well. I don't know if that fits in with the personality of the sign or not, but you should just see all the ridiculous <laughs> lists I do to keep track of everything in my day-to-day life. Oh my God. It's just like crisis prevention. Like who doesn't want to prevent a crisis? Let's plan everything out. <laughs> I love it. My partner gets annoyed with me sometimes because I'm like, so this is what I want to do in the morning. Got to do this, this, and this. And he's just like, calm down. Don't need to plan everything. We'll play it by ear. And I'm like, no, I can't Uh, play it by ear. I have to know. Seriously, like, what is that? I I remember one recently, actually. It was maybe four months ago. My sister's birthday is in May. And I was like, hey, it's your big birthday. We need to plan. She's like, that's eight months away. And I'm like, so what's your problem? Let's get started. Plan, plan, plan. See, if anything, just planning makes me less stressed out, even if it's a huge, big list of stuff that I have to do. Just still, okay, knowing that it's all there, that I'm going to do it, that's relaxing, even if it's just something dumb like, okay, I'm planning that I'm going to go for a walk in the morning, then do yoga, then make coffee, then go to work. Just (laughs) even the little things. (laughs) Seriously, just the joy of crossing something off a list that you planned. Ugh. So satisfying. (laughs) (laughs) So it feels like there's still some stigma and misunderstanding out there about pole dancing and what it's all about. What are some things that you wish more people better knew or understood about it? Um, Honestly, the number one thing, and I don't know if I can cuss on this podcast, I just wish people would mind their own damn business. (laughs) And like, that's with strip stripping, pole dancing, everything, because you just because you see something as immoral because of the way you were raised okay fine that's your thoughts whatever but there's a whole host of other people who don't see it that way so just mind your business and keep your opinions to yourself that's like my biggest thing one of my like slogans for life is do what your heart is begging you to do you know you want to try pole dancing but you have this like overarching stigma from whatever your parents or your friends or your church or your family or whatever has been telling you for years, so you don't want to do it. No, let go of all of that crap and just do what your heart is telling you to do and leave people alone. If that's what makes them happy, that's what makes them happy. I could, I could go on all day about that, but <laughs> that's, that's really just my main thing. The stigma, not all strippers are dirty. Not all strippers are hoes. Like, it's just, why is that even there? That's just so, that's a really old way of thinking. And I just want people to get rid of all of that. I know some fine strippers in this game, some really bad strippers, some people that have went to Harvard and are like, no, I can make six figures stripping. Okay, why are you judging her? That's a choice. It's not this, oh, I, I don't have any other job opportunities or I don't have whatever. That's a very old way of thinking. People are voluntarily becoming strippers, pole dancers, doing all of that because it's what they want to do. And it's their right. Just, I just want everyone to leave everyone alone, mind their own business, mind the business that pays them. That's what's important. (laughs) Oh yeah, definitely. And I mean, if anything, the first few classes I took, I was just hit by a whole new wave of respect for strippers because I was like, this is hard. I'm sore everywhere. I'm covered in bruises. How do they do this every night? Wow. (laughs) Oh my God, for real. And I'm at a point now, because I was like that too, back in the day, like, oh, you know what? forget it. I'm just going to be a stripper if this doesn't work out. I couldn't do it if I wanted to. Like that could be my goal. And I don't have the stamina. I don't have the confidence. I don't have what it takes to be a stripper. 
So I really wish people would stop saying stuff like that because <laughs> you're right. It is hard. It is taxing on your body to perform for three minutes straight. What? Every night? No, I can't do it. So kudos to them and the people who have negative things to say need to try it and then shut up about it because they can't do it. <laughs> Definitely. It is way harder than it looks. Gosh, I got plenty of stripper jokes when I was starting. But what I was telling people was, I was like, have you ever seen Cirque du Soleil or some of those acrobatic shows where they're basically they're like dancing on an aerial pole or things like that? It's like, no, it's it's an art form. It's it's not just strip clubs. And even if it is, so what? Like you said, people should just not butt their noses into what makes other people happy. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And I don't know if after your first pole class, um, this happened to you, but like you said, you were sore. After my first pole class, I was so sore. I could not pick up my newborn baby. Like luckily my mother was there helping out that week because I literally went home and my arms were jelly and I had bruises all over my body. And I was like, this is not as sexy as it looks on TV (laughs) at all. It does not feel like it looks. So yes, kudos to them. I ended up with this gigantic purple bruise on my shoulder after this one class because we were trying to do these backwards rolls and my body just did not want to work like that. And <laughs> my shoulder was not happy. It it almost looked like it almost looked like I was a victim of domestic abuse or something. I was like, all right, if I'm if I'm walking around in public with any of my male friends, make sure to wear something that covers it up. Seriously, because someone's gonna call nine one and be like, "I don't know if she's okay. Like, is she okay? Can someone check on her?" <laughs> like, no, just just dancing with my friends. <laughs> yeah, just just trying to master that pole. <laughs> and so, I'd love to hear a bit more about your clothing line. What inspired you to start that? Oh man, Naughty Goddess. Um, that's my baby. <laughs> I I started it because I've been dancing. I've been pole dancing at least for seven and a half years. And the only clothes that I was finding were like some of the clothes that were available at the pole dance studio. And as a plus size woman, they often didn't go up to my size. So it was just a real struggle to always find clothes to wear. A lot of people were trying to do bathing suits and I'm like, that's ugly. (laughs) Like, I don't want to do that. So I would branch out and try to find people that were selling clothes in my size. I was a 2X at the time. Found a couple of people, but even like the task of trying to get their clothing was difficult. It would sometimes take me three or four months to get an order or I had to get something custom, like customly made. Um, And I got, eventually I just got tired of it. Um, My students would always ask, hey, where can we get clothes? I'm like, I don't, I don't have a good answer for you. I'm sorry. (laughs) Um, So I just got tired of it. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to make my own. I'm going to make them for me and then I'm going to sell them for other people. So once I finally found like a good formula of, okay, I at least have some shorts and some sports bras. If nothing else, here's, here's an extra option for you all. If you all were lucky enough to find one, great. But here's more because I know how difficult it is for us to find clothes. I was scared as hell. Like, it's not going to do well. No one's going to buy anything. And um, within the first three days of launching, we sold out. Wow. So I... Yeah, I was so surprised. I knew there was a need. I didn't know it was that much of a need. So um, that's my baby. We're still going. Um, It'll be a year in March. 
And we're just hoping to keep moving forward um, because it is so difficult to find plus size, plus size pole clothing. I have a lot of studios and um, other clothing brands reaching out, trying to see if we'll go wholesale. So that's wow. like next on. Yeah. So that's like next on our list is to try and just go to mass production and go wholesale so we can find our plus size babies some options. Yeah. I mean, I feel like in general, society has started to be more inclusive, but I, I know like growing up, I could never, I would never see clothes for plus size people in stores. Or if I did, it was always stuff that was ugly, but I mean, everybody deserves <laughs> something cute to wear that makes them feel good. Right. Absolutely. And, and what's funny, but not funny as I was working with our sewers and our pattern makers. And I was like, yeah, I want to go up to a size six X. They were looking at me and kind of like laughing. And I'm like, what they're like there's six x girls on poles and i'm like yeah you want to go look at my instagram like what's there would be more if y'all would actually make some damn clothes for us <laughs> so, a lot of people don't even realize the market um and it's really sad it's really sad but hopefully i can fix that what's your process like for when you're creating clothes how do you come up with new designs um just kind of looking at all of the current things that are out there um I, I follow a lot of clothing brands that are pole brands and I go and I'm like, okay, I want to see what size they go up to. Oh, extra large. That's not plus size. Stop calling that plus size. <laughs> so I'll look and I'm like, that's a really cute design. I wish I could have it in my size. Then I try and find that actual design somewhere else. And I'm like, I, I can't find it. So I take usually a design that I've seen and I'm like, how can I make this better? Oh, you know what? You're trying to make plus size clothes but you're not making them big enough. So how about I make my straps adjustable instead? So that's one of the bigger um, pluses with my clothing line is that a lot of people make garter shorts, but the thigh straps cut off our circulation as big girls. <laughs> so that was one of the things. I just take the things that I wear and love and I'm like, I need to just make this better. And then I just, hopefully I do. I hope we're doing a good job at it. I can't even imagine what must go into that. Like, what were all the things that you had to work out and figure out when you started? I mean, like you said, finding people who could sew them and make them and produce them. Could you talk a little bit more about just getting that off the ground? Oh my goodness. I have lost so much. I'm just going to be very transparent. I have lost so much money in trying to find people to make these clothes. Initially, I had a friend who made clothes. She made swimsuits and wedding gowns. And I went to her and I was like, hey, this is what I want to make. How do, we, how do we get started? And we got started and we made some patterns and paid her a bunch of money for these patterns. <laughs> and as we started to sell, I was noticing the sizing was off. The larges were bigger or the same size as the 2X. And I'm like, no, what is this? This is wrong. So we'd have to go back to you know, square one. Lost like 26 pair of shorts at that point. They were all made, they're wrong. Let's start from scratch. So we did. Thought we figured it out, wrong again. Had to leave that sewer and pattern maker, tried to find another one um, who just didn't understand how to make plus size clothing. She would say she did and she, and she just unfortunately didn't. Um, spent a lot of time and money making those patterns. Um, unfortunately had to leave that situation as well until I found my current sewer and pattern maker who is awesome. Um, she actually works for a really famous celebrity that I can't say who it is. <laughs> so she's really good in quality. So she, she doesn't realize that she's stuck with me now for life. <laughs> but um, I, I was so passionate about wanting to make this successful. I think I took a total hit of like $10,000 just trying to get this launched. 
wow. and running. Yeah. So it's been a struggle. Um, it's been a very rewarding struggle, but um, a struggle nonetheless. And what kind of clothes are best for pole dancing for people who wouldn't know? Oh, yeah. So it's funny because people look at us and they're like, she wants all this attention. Why is she so naked? She could wear more clothes. We can't, guys. <laughs> we have to be really, really scantily clad because in order to be successful in pole dancing, if you have a chrome plated pole, your skin has to stick to it, right? So... Mm-hmm. You, you have to have like tank top or sports bra and just really, really tiny shorts if you want to do anything. If not, it's actually really dangerous and you can slip, fall and injure yourself. So normally sports bras, little shorts or briefs of some sort or bodysuits. Those are really popular in the pole community. Yeah, I remember the first time I made the mistake of wearing a long sleeve shirt to a class and the instructor <laughs> was like, you, you probably want to take that off. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and it's so awkward, honestly, because it, it's something that should be communicated prior to someone coming to class, right? But it's not always. So it's so awkward as an instructor saying, hey, I need you to get naked in class. And they're just looking at you like, what? <laughs> like, oh, no, 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 not like that. It's not safe. <laughs> so it's always an issue of like the long sleeve clothes. Um, when I actually showed up to my first class, I wore the longest, silkiest sweatpants. And my instructor... Ooh literally right my instructor literally grabbed some scissors and cut my pants and I was like oh okay but this is way better though (laughs) thank you (laughs) so yeah the goal the less clothes the better no lotions no oils no nothing you have to be dry ashy and nearly naked for pole I'm telling you it is not as sexy as people think (laughs) there's a lot of just rawness behind the scenes yeah, I I would not have expected that. I mean, it seems obvious when when you're actually doing it, but at the time I was like, oh, I, it's long sleeves, this is fine, right? Nope. <laughs> right? Can't even imagine trying to do it in sweatpants. Oh my gosh, some people do, and I'm like, how? Like some of the pole elites, of course, jeans, sweatpants, and I'm like, I don't know how y'all do it, but kudos to you. <laughs> what are some things that you? wish you'd known earlier on or that you weren't expecting when you first got into dance? Oh, good question. Um, I, you know, I wish I didn't fear it as much. I'll just say that. Um, I went into pole dance with a very slow kind of like progression because I would look at things and I'm like, oh, that looks difficult. I don't even want to try it. Like spin pole. I had been dancing, I think, for two years before I even tried spin pole and what spin pole is, which a lot of people don't know, the pole can go from two settings from static to spin pole. Static is when it stays still and spin pole is when the pole spins on its own. So it's carried by your body weight. And I was like, I don't want to do that. That's scary. (laughs) And I finally, two years later, tried it. and I was like, Oh, why am I in my head about everything? Just, this is fun. Like, this is easier, actually. Like, I enjoy this way more than static pole. So I just wish I would have gone into it with a more fearless attitude um, and a desire to progress as quickly as I actually wanted to. So that's something I try to instill in my students now. Like, a lot of people come to class timid. They're like, oh, I've never tried spin pole before. And I'm like, oh, well, guess what? You're going to try it today. (laughs) So I'm just learning through all of my lessons of pulling people out of their comfort zone because you will live there forever. And it'll feel good in the time, but you'll regret it later. 
Do you have any fun stories from like competitions or classes? Oh my God, there's so much. Um, what would be the number one story? You know, the first story that comes to mind, I guess, I don't know why it's just at the forefront. Um, it's, it's the surprise of the types of people I get in class, right? Because everyone thinks, oh, it's just for girls. And then people are like, oh, it's just for, for gay guys. Only the guys that come are, are gay. And I'm like, oh, that's not true. Um, <laughs> this one particular time I had a guy show up in class, heterosexual man, and come to find out he was there because he lost a bet with his sister. <laughs> and um, I was like, oh, he's not going to do anything. Like, he's just going to be sitting here being a perv, like watching everybody else. And he got on that pole. And he showed out, like, I actually have footage from it. I should post it one day. <laughs> um, he was doing better than the girls who had been coming for a long, long time. He just got so into it. And he just gave such a great effort. It was really fun to watch. So that's the takeaway I can give from this is heterosexual men, get into pole. It's fun. It's a good workout. <laughs> but he was just all over the place with the shoulder roll thing you had attempted. He had done one of those. Like, just, it was so fun. Wow. So is that, do you think it's the stigma then that keeps more people from trying it? Absolutely. Absolutely. The judgment they think they're going to get from their friends and family. Um, and it's just not all that serious. It's literally gymnastics with a vertical pole. Like I just want people to get over that. Reminded me of like playing on a jungle gym as a kid. It's like, this is, this is like a jungle gym, but for adults almost. <laughs> seriously and and that's one of the hot topics too in pole is a lot of pole dancers and strippers will let their children get on the pole like i don't know if you've seen those videos circulating on instagram or whatever of people's children on the pole and people are just dragging their parents in the comments just they have no morals there's no home training they're strippers and training they're this they're that oh my god what is the difference between this silver pole in my home and the red pole that's at the park I will wait. <laughs> like, don't worry. I'll wait for your response because there's no difference. You guys just sexualize everything and it's sad. So you're right. It's an adult gym. It's an adult jungle gym. Yeah. And I mean that, oh my gosh, like people do sexualize things way too much. I mean, I remember just being a kid and you watch what grownups are doing and then you grow up and you find, oh, there's all this stigma attached to this thing that just, didn't make any sense and it's all it's all in people's heads absolutely it really is I've seen some fun videos online of people doing pole routines just like at the park you know on on those poles and I was like that is so cool maybe someday <laughs> someone did a whole pole tutorial at the park one time of wow. um, inversions yeah it was because I, I suck at inversions and that's you know when you flip upside down on the pole and she did a whole tutorial and I was like, oh, this is so helpful. Like more of these, please go to the park with your camera every day. <laughs> oh, yeah. And free show for everybody who's there. They'll probably be jealous. <laughs> I wish I could, like, I wish I could do that. <laughs> Seriously. Same. <laughs> so there's a ton of videos online out there with people, like people teaching pole routines or showing them off. But like, I think we touched on it a bit earlier. It can be pretty dangerous if you're not properly dressed or you don't know what you're doing. So for anybody who is maybe trying to learn or wants to learn, but maybe hasn't gone to an actual class and is watching videos online, what should they know so that they can know how to be safe while trying to learn? 
Um, you know, one of the most important things is what I'm noticing actually is people like, yeah, I was watching YouTube and I saw this trick and then I just tried it. And I'm like, no, 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 no. <laughs> you, you have to get really, really warm um, and stretched beforehand. Like pull is very taxing on your body. And honestly, we're all kind of getting towards that age where if we just sit down the wrong way, our bodies hurt. <laughs> so the most important thing is to get a really good warm up, really good stretch. Um, a lot of the times people want to do the upside down tricks because they see everyone doing them and they're fun and they're cute. Um, but the one thing I have to constantly repeat to my students because they get really excited to try these tricks, protect your neck. If you fall and you fall directly on the top of your head, could be very fatal, catastrophic. So always like tuck your chin into your chest. Um, other than that, don't wear lotion, don't wear oil. Make sure you're nearly naked and have an open mind. Go into it fearlessly. Because if you go into it, like overthinking the moves, I feel like sometimes people get a lot more injuries that way. Because you're like constantly tensing your body up, right? Because you're like scared. Like, oh, I'm going to fall, I'm going to hurt myself. And then you actually end up hurting yourself when you probably wouldn't have if you hadn't thought about it so much, I guess. So just go into it. Open mind. Fearlessly. Safety first. Warm up. Stretch. And maybe don't try to flip upside down for your first trick if you don't have a lot of experience. <laughs> yeah, that too. That too. <laughs> and I see people actually doing that sometimes and it scares the mess out of me. People get so excited. Like, teach me this. And I'm like, hey, how about we actually walk around the pole once or twice first before you do that. It's your first time in a pole class, right? Got it. Yeah. Let's not flip upside down in the first three minutes. <laughs> yeah. That, oh my gosh. Those, some of those moves look like they must take years of practice. Yeah. And you know what the problem is, is that these amazing pole dancers make it look so easy, right? So you get there and you're like, oh, I'm just going to try it because I saw it and it was so effortless for them. I'm, I can do it. You can't. <laughs> Nine times out of ten, you can't because they made it look so easy. You gotta train. You gotta train. What were some of your favorite and most difficult moves to learn? Um, my favorite move is called a Remy sit. Um, I actually make it a combo. It's a stargazer to a Remy sit. Um, I don't really know how to explain this. You just kind of uh, hook one leg on the pole and you basically support your entire body weight by one and a half legs to <laughs> the front of one leg and the back of the other. Um, so that's my favorite move. My hardest move to date. I am not a trickster. Um, so in pole, you have like people who specialize in erotic movement, like more choreography. And then you have people who are power polers who do the harder tricks. I am not a power bowler, um, but I do love some of the tricks that they do. So this one particular move is called a jade split. Um, I just learned how to do it a couple months ago, and it is now my go-to, but my nemesis at the same time, because it's not 100% accurate yet. <laughs> and um, I don't train like, like I should. Um, definitely my nemesis and something I'm working on perfecting. And you, you mentioned how important it is to be warmed up. What kind of exercises or warm-ups would you recommend? Like what sorts of things could people be doing? I don't know if like yoga is good or if there's any other sorts of exercises that are good for people who are trying to get better at pole. 
yoga is good. Yoga and anything with stretching is really good. Um, anything with strength training where you're training your core and your shoulders. Because people think um, pole is like biceps, like all biceps. And no, it's actually more shoulders and core than anything. Um, so any strength training there. Something that's really popular right now, um, I don't know if this is what the actual apparatus is called or the brand, but it's called Feet Up. And it's like that little kind of yoga chair looking thing where you do handstands or shoulder stands in it. Um, it's really good for training your core for like tricks and inversions. So that's a really popular one going around right now. I'll have to try that. I don't think I've heard of it. I do a ton of yoga, but have not heard of that. And I could definitely stand to build up some of that core strength. I was surprised too. I thought it was, oh, you have to be lifting yourself. You got to have all that upper body strength, but no, not quite. <laughs> no. And it's, it's really funny because when people try to climb, like, I can't remember if we climbed in class when you came, but we did. People, we did. I was super excited about it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> people think climbing is just pulling yourself up. But when in actuality, it's, it's, it's getting your knees on the pole in the right way to propel yourself forward and prepare yourself up rather than pull. So it's like a more of a push than a pull. Yeah, I remember you were telling me to stick my booty out and it worked. I was like, oh my gosh, <laughs> I actually made it. I thought I was just going to fall <laughs> on my butt. <laughs> <laughs> Yay. I'm so happy about that. No, you did great. I just want to make sure you know that you did really good in class. I want your, you. I want your listeners to know that Catherine is a bad bitch on the pole. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Try to improve. I liked it so much that I bought a pole and had it installed in my living room so that I could keep practicing and then take classes from home too. I don't know if you've had this experience yet, but my favorite one is when I forget that the world is still under this pole stigma and I have like a delivery person come to my house and they have to actually like come inside my house or like the plumber. And I just forget the poles there and they just look at it like, Oh, you a stripper, huh? No, <laughs> I'm not. And mind your business. Even if I was, mind your business. <laughs> I just, I forget it's there. And for that quick little moment, I'm just like, oh shit. <laughs> well, I hired these handymen to install it for me because I, I didn't want to ruin my ceiling and you're supposed to be able to, you're supposed to find the studs, but I had a popcorn ceiling and it's like, I don't know how to do that. And I don't want to punch a hole in my ceiling. So I had these guys come in and install it for me so that I could know it was, no, I wasn't going to mess anything up. And they didn't say anything, but while they were setting it up, they kept kind of just kind of glancing at me. I was like, are, are they going to say anything? Are they going to ask? They didn't, <laughs> but like, I can feel your judgment all the way across the room. Oh my God. They are, they make, you're fine with it. I'm fine with it. They make it so awkward. <laughs> like, they make it so awkward. Men are just so funny. It should have been like, hey, you guys want to see my moves before you go? <laughs> Seriously. Make it super tip. uncomfortable. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> but yeah, destroy all of the stigma. Everybody should give it a try. I mean, it's it's a great workout. And like you said, it definitely is a great confidence boost. I mean, just after one class, you know, you do a few moves and it just, it feels really good. Like you, you feel sexy and you, you don't know, just like, I, I remember just walking away thinking, wow, I can't wait to do this again. Yeah, seriously. It, it really is. I, I can't even imagine my life had I not found pole dancing uh, seven years ago. Honestly, it's changed for the better in so many different ways just because of pole dancing. 
And then last question, what are you working on now and where can we follow you? Oh, I'm always hesitant to talk about this because it hasn't come to full fruition yet. But um, the biggest thing for me right now, I have a show in development um, with a producer. So it's supposed to be an unscripted reality show about myself and a fellow instructor at my studio um, being me being a plus size pole dancer, her being like a confidence boosting um, instructor as well. So hopefully that gets pitched to network soon and gets out on TV. We'll see. Um, right now I have a comp program that's about to start at the end of January at Studio 216. Um, I'm also teaching every Sunday at 12 and 115, Studio 216. And you can find me on Instagram at poundcake.official. And if you are looking for my clothing line, you can find it at Naughty Goddess, which is spelled G-O-D-D-E-X-X, so that we can degender that thing. <laughs> Hell yeah. Well, I am excited to see that show. That sounds awesome. <laughs> ah, me too. Just fingers crossed. I really hope that happens. Well, when it comes out, you'll have to come back for another interview to talk about that more. <laughs> Absolutely. You'll be the first, the first. <laughs> well, I can't wait to see you lighting up the screen as well. <laughs> Thank you so much for being here. And it was so great to talk with you and hear more about your journey and what inspires you. And yeah, I can't wait for this show. Oh, thank you so much. It's been so fun doing this with you. I hope I can come back and do more. so much for listening to Shots with Catherine Conversations with Creatives. I hope you enjoyed this episode. You can leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and follow us on Instagram at Shots with Catherine. If you enjoy this podcast and want to help us grow, head to our Red Circle podcast page and donate to the show and get a shout out in a future episode. Be sure to tune in next week when I'll be joined by Lisa Matthew, writer and director of the award-winning short film Caged. Thank you so much again for listening and catch you next week. <laughs>